Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim, we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives as always. But Jim, one of our very favorite conservatives, thankfully is on the men, but as far as we know, he's still in the hospital, and that's Longtime Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas just marked 30 years on the high court last fall. Uh, According to a press release from the Supreme Court, he's been in the hospital in D.C. battling an infection. It's not COVID-related, but the good news is is that the treatment seems to be effective, and hopefully within the next day or two, he'll be out of the hospital. And if he misses uh, any oral arguments, he'll be fully caught up on everything. So obviously, we're wishing a very full and uh, speedy recovery to Clarence Thomas. Indeed. You want to talk about a, a headline that puts, you know, makes conservatives' hearts stop. It is Clarence Thomas is in the hospital, but as you said, the details, this doesn't sound that bad. Wishing him a very speedy recovery. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, just a great guy, too. So we certainly uh, wish him the very best. And of course, uh, you know, it's interesting that it's happening on the very same day that the confirmation process is beginning in the Senate Judiciary Committee for uh, Biden's uh, choice to replace Stephen Breyer on the court, Judge uh, Katanji Jackson. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little bit as the week goes on. Uh, but Jim, let's move to our good martini. And uh, as we've said, the News deck, the issue deck, so many decks are stacked against uh, the Democrats right now. Biden's popularity is in the tank. The generic ballot, although not as good as it once was, is still pretty good uh, for Republicans. We've talked about the uh, massive shift of Hispanic voters and so forth. But uh, as we often note, uh, pocketbook issues, kitchen table issues, if you want to call them those, since pocketbooks is a little bit of an antiquated term, uh, definitely going to drive the electorate this year when it comes to those sorts of things. Gas prices, grocery prices, definitely at the top of the concern list. Uh, Things in my neighborhood ticking down a little bit, but still north of $4 a gallon, which is totally unacceptable and crippling a lot of families financially. So the Republican National Committee, Jim, which has been begging the Biden administration, along with Republicans and some Democrats, uh, to ramp up domestic production so we're not dependent on these terrible countries and terrible governments around the world for our energy. Uh, I've decided to go looking for voters where they're going to be most angry right now, and that's at gas stations. The RNC has told Fox News that its voter initiative began on Saturday and involves staff and volunteers registering people to vote at gas stations in the Phoenix and Scottsdale area of Arizona, where gas prices have soared to more than $4.50 per gallon. Quote, Arizonans are frustrated with paying the record high gas prices we've seen recently. This is an issue that affects almost every single Arizonan. There's no doubt that everyone is feeling the pain at the pump. So a gas station right now may be the very best possible place for one of our volunteers to have a conversation with someone and get someone signed up to vote. That's from the RNC's Arizona Communications Director, Ben Peterson. So, Jim, uh, Republicans are usually more right than Democrats, obviously, from our perspective on the issues. Tactically and message-wise, they're often behind the eight ball. This is brilliant. Brilliant, Greg. And it's uh, honestly, this is one of those ideas where you just kind of hit your forehead and say, God, why have they been doing this You know, for for?" Uh, for forever, <laughs> you know, that uh, every time gas prices go up, it's the sort of thing that makes people angry and start uh, uh, kind of getting fired up and wanting to do something about it. And this seems like the most natural spot in the world. I saw the Fox News article about this mentioned the, I did that little stickers that people have been sticking uh, on gas pumps in various areas. And, and if that's, you know, the sort of thing that makes it feel good, fine. But in the end, 
putting stickers up that blame Biden probably isn't going to change the dynamics of the, the elections or how things are done very much. This might. This very well could find people who are unregistered, have kind of tuned out of politics, didn't really think it mattered much to them, but who now or, or who haven't gotten around to registering to vote. Maybe they're just turning 18. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you've got, hey, you know, we'd like to come over and register to vote. Maybe they choose to become registered members of the Republican Party. We'll see. And just a question of now people know it's clearly a, something that's on their mind. Also, I, I'm, you know, Arizona is as good a place as any for this pilot start. I was surprised when I looked on the AAA uh, site that tracks the national average gas price. Um, really, the whole West is getting hammered. We think of, oh, California, they have crazy high taxes and they have really high prices. Well, Arizona, the current average is $4.61. By the way, nationally, the average is $4 and a quarter, basically. Um, which is bad. It's down about seven cents, maybe a dime uh, from last week, which is you know better than nothing, but really not one of the reductions you're going to feel very much. Um, yes, California remains the worst at five dollars and eighty-five cents a gallon. Again, this is regular. This is not premium. Um, Nevada though is also five dollars and eleven cents. Oregon is four dollars and seventy cents, and Washington State is four dollars and seventy-two cents. So, really, if you're anywhere in the West Coast, even even Idaho is four thirty-five, and Utah is four thirty-four. So, if you're in the West Coast of the United States, you are paying a ton for gas. Oh, by the way, all of these numbers are higher than New York, other than I guess Utah. I just said uh, New York is only four dollars and thirty-six cents, and New York has a ton of gasoline taxes. So. You add all that up, um, there is a uh, enormous opportunity here for the Republican Party. People are feeling it. People are frustrated by it. The Biden administration is going to try to say, "Oh, this is all Putin's fault." And look, you know, war, Russia's invasion of Ukraine certainly doesn't help gas prices. Um, but people know the gas prices were increasing quite a bit be long before uh, the Russian invasion began. And in fact, the fact that they've come back down a little bit over the last couple of days indicates that the war is not. The primary factor driving it up. What it really, by the way, the interesting, I have a corner post on this. The decline in prices actually is happening in part for a couple of different reasons, including few people are driving less and uh, stockpiles are starting to build back up again. But another big factor is that because China is having these COVID 19 outbreaks, lo and behold, their zero COVID policies didn't work. Um, they're expecting they're shutting down cities and the, de the uh, demand for oil in China is dropping. So in that sense, we get a little bit of a benefit from that. But again, it came out in that, you know, seven cents or so uh, over the past week. Nothing nothing dramatic or anything like that. But, uh, you know, in the end, it's supply and demand. We have not done nearly enough to develop our supply of oil, as I like to mention. And the Pacific Ocean, the, the ocean's floor is basically spitting oil at us. I think it's like 50 gallons a day. You know, it just seems utterly bizarre uh, that there's such hostility to developing the resources we have and lowering prices for American consumers. So good for you, RNC. It's not something I find myself saying very often, but this is a brilliant idea. Yeah, absolutely brilliant idea. And I remember having a receipt in my uh, console. I think it was two seventeen a gallon, just a day or two before uh, Biden was sworn in. Uh, a couple of weeks before that, it was right around $2. And so some folks are pointing out, look, you can look at it starting at Inauguration Day, but investing and prices uh, are often set by expectations. And so if you go back to Election Day, uh, it's actually was well under uh, in many parts of the country, well under two dollars. And so uh, we're talking well over a two dollar jump in some parts of the country. And uh, and then you've got Pete Buttigieg out there saying, well, if you don't like the gas prices, just buy a Tesla. Come on, let's just get a, get an electric vehicle and move on. I mean, what's the problem? Tesla's for everyone. <laughs> That's exactly. The administration will send you a gift card for a Tesla. You know? <laughs>
Unbelievable. Even Elon Musk, who makes the Teslas, is asking for more domestic energy production because he knows you have to plug them in at some point. Anyway. All right, Jim. Uh, let's talk about something uh, even more comfortable than a brand new car or more comfortable than falling gas prices, which we would love to see, but aren't really at this point. And that is the phenomenal X chair that you get to enjoy every day. My X chair does not run on gasoline. <laughs> From the first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, ah, this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. Now, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can do that too. It's all in the Elemax massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, you'll never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, and extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. And sometimes, even if I'm not working, I just sit in my X chair just to get that feeling. Take my advice, try X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back, I promise. Go to xchairmartini.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. One more time, xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, one of the great Rorschach deaths in politics right now is, you know, throw out a name and tell me what you think. Adam Kinzinger. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get some pretty strong reactions one way or the other. Uh, in much of the never- Trump uh, world. Uh, he's considered a hero uh, for many conservatives at this point. Uh, he's uh, probably a, a one-trick pony who's mainly focused on January 6th and other things as uh, he's about to hit the exits on Capitol Hill because as nice as he's been to the Democrats on some issues lately, they still uh, weaseled him out of his district uh, by by drawing the map so that he couldn't possibly win again. So he's leaving Congress. Uh, but he's also uh, taking the side of Volodymyr Zelensky on an issue that I think could get a little bit touchy, Jim. Uh, Zelensky, uh, while making passionate uh, cases for further aid uh, from countries, uh, has also been a little bit prickly, which you can understand. I mean, his country is uh, uh, on the brink right now uh, of basically saying, you know, if you're not uh, doing what I want you to do, you're complicit to genocide, which is obviously taking it too far, as desperate as he might be. And right now he is focused on Israel, saying, uh, Israel, you can mediate, but cannot mediate between good and evil. I could ask why we are not receiving protection from Israel. Why are we not getting your Iron Dome that would protect the Jews of Ukraine? Why hasn't Israel joined the sanction regime against Russia? At which point Kinziger retweets that and says, really good questions of Israel. Uh, then he goes on to say uh, in a long series of tweets, I deeply support our relationship with Israel, but supporting France doesn't mean we look past differences. We have stood with Israel and continue to do so, but at the moment there is a battle between good and evil, between a world based on raw power or one based on the post-World War II rules. Everyone must pick a side. The outcome of this fight will impact the world my son grows up in, and now is the time to call anyone to the carpet who does not do their utmost. If we don't want to directly attack Russia, then our leverage is in the world uniting in sanctions and assistance for the people of Ukraine. This includes everyone, and Israel does not have a special exemption. Hopefully, they will do the right thing. So he did not specifically mention Iron Dome like Zelensky did. Uh, not sure how much Israel has to share, how much excess missile defense technology it has. 
uh, Jim, you know, if you want to encourage your own government to do what you think is the right thing to do, that's one thing. I think you and I have set some pretty clear lines in the sand that we certainly don't want to cross, at least at this point. Uh, but calling out other countries and saying, eh, I don't know, your aid, your aid could be in trouble here if you don't do exactly what Zelensky wants you to do. Uh, you know, they've got considerations, too. Greg, I, I regret to say this, but Adam Kinzinger has been a phenomenal disappointment. And I went back and I checked, but he was part of the 2010 Tea Party class of Republicans who came in the big red wave of the midterm elections of that year, uh, running in Illinois' 11th district. And he just had this, this glowing, sterling resume, captain in the Air National Guard. Uh, he had been called the Good Samaritan of the Year because he had fought off this knife-wielding attacker attacking a woman outside of a nightclub. Uh, wrestles him to ground, holds him to the, you know, what friends call the police. Uh, sorry, it was Milwaukee Red Cross called him the hero of the year. He was awarded the Valley Forge Cross for heroism for his service in Iraq. So this guy comes in here. Um, and, and for, you know, a lot of years, he was a perfectly fine standard issue Republican congressman. He stood up against Trump uh, when a lot of other people in the party would not. But I kind of feel like he's turned into an MSNBC Republican. I'm sure he would absolutely vehemently deny this, but it just seems like there's a particular tone that gets taken by certain, I'm going to call them dissident Republicans or Republicans who found themselves on the outs with the rest of their party, but just gets um, shrieky would be a very harsh way of putting it. But in the end, a, a more and more heightened emotional tone to what they're saying here. Uh, look, it's complicated uh, of exactly how much systems we can aid. He was one of the, uh, Kinzinger is one of those guys who absolutely wanted to enforce a no-fly zone, as we've discussed on this podcast. That's starting World War III. Inevitably, you end up shooting down Russian fight, Russian jet fighters, and you are in conflict with Russia, whether you want it to be or not. Uh, on this one, I understand why Zelensky wants to get the Iron Dome project. It's kind of not that hard to understand why Israel would be reluctant to give it up. Israel, up until the war, had good relationships with both Russia and Ukraine. There are a lot of Jews in both countries. A lot of Jews in both countries travel to Israel. Israel did not want to get caught into the middle of this fight. It's understandable. You know, at some point you're going to have to, you know, to take sides. And Israel has, you know, after dragging its feet a little bit, has taken some steps against the Russian oligarchs and things like that. But Israel, as the, on the Iron Dome question, Israel is protected by 10 of these batteries, right? So each battery is able to defend up about 60 square miles. Each one of these units costs about $50 million per battery. Each one of the times they intercept one costs them about $100,000 to $150,000. So these systems are not cheap. I think, by the way, the plan is to develop, deploy 15 of them. So in other words, they've got all the key parts of the country protected. There might be some other outlying areas in which it's less certain that the range of this battery system is going to work. So the short answer is, is that Israel doesn't have a lot to spare. It's very tough for Israel to just say, hey, sure, we'll ship it over to you. Oh, but first of all, you got to disassemble it. You got to put it onto a truck. Then you got to put it on the truck, get take it, I assume, to the port of Haifa or something. Then sail it off to, to Ukraine. Then get it off to... This is not the most uh, realistic proposal I've heard from Zelensky and the Ukrainians so far. Uh, you know, the S-300s, yeah, sure, maybe, you know, a bunch of European, a bunch of European countries have those. Getting them from Israel to there and then deploying them, it's going to be a while. Now, maybe we're in for a long, hard fight against the, the Ukrainians against the Russians. But it's not crazy for Israel to say, one, we can't really spare these. Two, getting them to you is going to be logistically challenging. Three, there's got to be some other way we can help that's going to do you better good. So I don't think Israel is being anti-Ukraine in this. Um, and then for Kinzinger to say, well, we might not you know, support U.S. Israel. I mean, you just need strategic thinking on this. And I don't know if... you know. We're actually, you know, we talked about gas prices in our previous martini. One of the reasons we're in this, the mess that we're in, besides not producing our own domestic uh, oil, 
or not doing developing enough of our own uh, domestic resources, is that the Saudi Arabians have been dragging their feet on increasing production. And pretty much since Biden was elected, the relationship between Biden and MBS has been lousy. Uh, unsurprisingly, Biden said he was going to turn Saudi Arabia into a pariah state. Nobody can defend what the Saudi Arabians did to Khashoggi. They, you know, they, there had to be some sort of U.S. response. However, now that we've done that, Saudi Arabia is unsurprisingly not willing to play ball with us on oil exports. Surprise, surprise. Um, there's even a report in the Wall Street Journal that Saudi Arabia is not uh, uh, is, is not returning Biden's phone call, that MBS deliberately you know, ignored his calls and such. You got to pick and choose your battles. You have to decide what your priorities are. The U.S., for obvious reasons, wants to have a good, close relationship with Israel. The idea that we would blow up our relationship with Israel over them not sending a particular weapon system to Ukraine seems like not seeing the forest for the trees. It's not seeing prioritizing. It is letting one minute disagreement over one weapon system turn into a full rupture. And, and I just, this seems like it's, you know, Kinzinger playing to Twitter, playing to uh, cable news audiences, just trying to look like the single most pro-Ukrainian guy he possibly can be, and that he's willing to blow up relationships with other countries as a result of it. It is penny-wise, pound-foolish, uh, and just not seeing uh, what U.S. priorities ought to be. Of course, we should be helping Ukraine. But the, if, you, if Israel's got to make its decisions in its own national interests, and it's not a good use of U.S. influence to try to pressure them to give more help than they're comfortable doing. Yeah, good point. I'm not even sure it's penny wise, but it's definitely yeah. it's definitely about foolish. Uh, I think this is a guy who just wants attention at this point. You know, you talk about people, uh, like you said at the beginning, you know, he defied Trump on a number of things and uh, he claims he's still a conservative on other things. But, you know, where do you put all your oxygen as a politician? There's a million issues out there. And he spent most of it uh, calling out, out Republicans, which is his right to do. But it's hard to say, you know, you're you're still the rock solid conservative you claim to be in the beginning when when you do that. But uh, if you spend most of your time calling out Republicans, you shouldn't be surprised that Republicans don't want to do what you want to do. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly right. But here's what you do want to do. Get a great deal on towels from MyPillow.com uh, slash martini. Look, nothing beats the feel of luxurious towels when you step out of the shower. Uh, you can wrap yourself in nothing but the best with the MyPillow towel set. This is a six-piece towel set regularly priced at $109.99. But right now, you can get a phenomenal deal by getting this set for just $39.99. The MyPillow six-piece towel set is made from cotton grown right here in the United States. Now, some other towels might feel good, but they don't absorb very well, or they absorb well, but they don't feel good. Well, every MyPillow towel is made with proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and also soft to the touch. There's none of that lotion-y feel. So every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, get the MyPillow six-piece towel set, regularly $109.99 for just $39.99 with our promo code MARTINI. Visit MyPillow.com slash MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and so much more. Get your six-piece MyPillow towel set. I can't recommend it highly enough. Love these towels for only $39.99 today at MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com slash martini. All right, Jim, I know I normally use the phrase 
He's back for Andrew Cuomo, and he's still coming back. <laughs> Trust me, he's, he's got a plan. Not sure it's going to work. Hope it doesn't work, but he's, he's still got a, an ambition to be back on the public stage. But uh, that also applies for Dr. Anthony Fauci. Seems like he kind of vanished there for about a month, Jim, uh, as the numbers started to wane. And Biden said you could take the masks off in his State of the Union speech, and we're getting back to normal. But he is back. He was on uh, ABC's This Week program with George Stephanopoulos. And apparently, Jim, this is the first I had heard about it, there's a new variant out there called BA2. And Fauci says, yeah, we don't know how we're going to be on the hospitalization front, but it seems to be uh, pretty easily transmissible. So if it gets bad, guess what's coming back? If we do see a significant surge, particularly one that might result and increase hospitalizations, we have to be prepared to pivot and perhaps reinstitute some of those restrictions. So, Jim, just when we were getting used to being quasi back to normal and many parts of the country probably fully back to normal, here comes Anthony Fauci pouring cold water on us yet again. Greg, far be it from me to say Anthony Fauci is wrong about anything. <laughs> I can hear the listeners saying, tell him he's wrong about everything. Go ahead. You know. So the last date that we have uh, genomic monitoring for the cases reported to the CDC, this is where you go in and try to figure out what kind of variant somebody, ha variant somebody has. Uh, the BA2, which is technically a variant of a variant, it is a version of Omicron. Uh, as of March 12th, it was 23% of all cases in the United States. Um, you haven't heard nearly as much about COVID-19 in the last couple of weeks because, one, the news environment has been eaten up by uh, Russia and Ukraine, understandably, but also the fact that we're now averaging around 29,000 cases a day. Now, you may recall back at the peak in early Jan in early to mid-January, we were in the 800,000 uh, new cases a day, right? So, you know, you look at the, the, the chart, we're actually now below the Omicron level. We are now roughly where we were kind of in like June, um, May of last spring. We're, we're getting towards a nice spring weather, people spending more time outside, weather's not as cold, people are not indoors as much. And oh, by the way, everybody caught Omicron this winter, right? Not everybody, but like lots and lots of people uh, caught it in January, February, including myself. So while BA2 has become a bigger and bigger chunk of the cases reported, the number of cases themselves are declining. And, you know, maybe you can make an argument that they've leveled out in the last week or so. But really, by and large, uh, there's no indication that, you know, we're going through a serious era point of, of this pandemic. Uh, we're going through one of the relative good times of this pandemic. And with everyone having, I assume, some degree of immunity from either having had Omicron, having caught COVID-19 earlier in the pandemic, getting vaccinated, getting boosted, all that kind of stuff, that my guess is we're pretty well protected. I, I, is it possible you could end up having a whole bunch of, of new cases because of BA2? I guess, but we just haven't seen it so far. So, and, and again, the, the total number of cases are going down. I mean, you know, maybe people are getting cases and the cases are so mild or they're asymptomatic, they don't even notice it. So they don't go into the doctor's office, so they don't get reported. I guess that could be the case. But by and large, I just don't see anything in these numbers to say, oh, God, batten down the hatches. Here it comes again. We're going to get another one. Um, and the pattern of uh, of 2021 was, OK, you know, cases were pretty darn bad in the you know early January, February area. And then all through February, they started declining. And by March, particularly as a good number of people got vaccinated. Things were back to normal, and our best points were in the you know June to July. So, um, my guess is we're headed towards another relatively low trough. And between the boosters and the acquired immu natural immunity, I don't think we have that much to worry about. At least in the short term, could there be some variant that comes along that you know eludes uh, vaccinations 
and that uh, you know it's really bad and, and eludes natural immunity. Yeah, I guess it could happen, but right now I'm just not seeing it in the numbers. So um, kind of surprising to see this. And again, it's you know that, that vibe of Kinsinger, that little bit. Look, I don't think you know Anthony Fauci's primary motivation is look at me, look at me. I think he's giving his honest opinion. But um, I, I, the other factor is I also don't think anyone wants to hear it. I think at some point people are exhausted from the pandemic. Just this morning, Greg, I had a milestone accomplishment. My older son had forgotten his school laptop. He called me or he says, can you bring it to school? I'm like, fine. I go in. I went into a school in Fairfax County, Greg, and no one made me put on a mask. Nice. That's 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 when you know things have really turned a corner here. Um, there were some people, there's, a whole bunch of kids are still wearing masks, but I, I can't tell if that's because they're genuinely concerned because they got really used to it. Or my theory, Greg, bad acne outbreaks and they just don't want anybody to see <laughs> yeah we probably could have used those at one point right <laughs> <laughs> many points but yes go ahead. yes no no that's absolutely right and uh glenn youngkin got the ball rolling on that remember he was trying to kill people but now it's uh considered pretty much normal so uh it took courage to to get moving in that direction but he did it uh i i do think anthony fauci certainly enjoys the attention after all he does have a giant portrait of himself on the wall in the office but uh Here's my only message to Dr. Fauci. Sir, we lost the NCAA tournament two years ago. I don't think that's going to happen again, given what we just heard. Don't even think about it. We got two weeks left in this thing. Leave us alone. As Jim pointed out, the numbers are not a problem right now. Stop meddling. Soapbox down. Jim, have a great (laughs) Monday. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, Tell your friends about us as well. We'd love to have them join us each day as well. Uh, Thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next three martini lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.